Hey everybody, Tyree here with Before I Forget Along with Kevin. Say hey Kevin. Once again, hey Kevin. Here we are. I'm really upset, honestly, about that being my uh, tagline, unintentional tagline. People like say that to me in real life, like no lie. Really? messages on Instagram. Hey Kevin. Word. Hell yeah. So hey, check it out. We're using this 80s music. I want you guys to think about like uh, a boat cruising out over the bay after a big drug bust. All right, this is the scene, and I'm going to introduce our our guest here, Mr. Billy Dunson. This guy's hey, what's going on, everybody? Hey, Kevin. Yeah. How's it going, man? <laughs> hey, man, I got to paint the picture for you. Descriptors. I got to, man. Uh, I I'll tell you, it didn't it didn't put me there. I I don't I didn't I didn't envision a boat on a bay Shut at up. all. I gave okay. it a shot. <laughs> all right, so. Billy, tell us a little bit more about yourself, because I didn't say anything besides, here's Billy. Oh, yeah. I, I, I just had to drop that Hey Kevin in there while, while we're at it. I don't want to miss that one. There it is. But uh, <laughs> uh, Billy Dustin, uh, actor, former Ranger, uh, and I'm actually on the Writers Guild Foundation uh, Fellowship. So I'm going to fellowship to the Writers Guild. Um, okay. I know, that, you know everything going on crazy with the actors writer strike right now, but uh, I'm actually um, a member of the sag Afra as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're going to get that's into a, all that sex. That's stuff a big deal, right? Yeah, it's a huge deal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, anything in entertainment wise, it's going to be a big deal with that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Cool. So, we have a couple questions we ask everyone who comes on the show. You know, it's not a big deal, but explain to us why did you join the military? The quick answer is because I watched Black Hawk Down. Uh, I think that yeah. was how it was the movie mm-hmm. that, uh, yeah, I was like, man, I want to come arrange it. But, uh, so when I originally got out of high school, um, I wanted to become a police officer. Uh, my dad was a state trooper. And at the time, I think it was December of my senior year um, leading up to it. I was like, man, you know, I don't want to keep working this like high school job. I was working at a coast room, career and it sucked. I was like, man, I got to do something better. So I wanted to go, uh, I started the process to become a police officer. It takes a long time, but I figured my dad's in. I should like hear back. Well, it's coming around timber. I don't hear anything back from them. And I'm like, man, this is like, you know, bullshit. Like what's going on? He can't tell me anything. They can't tell me anything. All my friends are like going off to college. I'm like, this sucks. Like, this is terrible. Well, I'm going to do what I wanted to do. And I'm going to go try to be a ranger. And I signed up. I'm like, what's as soon as I can leave? And they're like, well, we can leave. You can leave before Christmas or after Christmas. I'm like, all right, well, let's leave. It's, soon as I can after Christmas, which was uh, January 6th. And I left there um, and my first piece of mail in the army, like after you go through the, I think it was like after the first week or so, mm-hmm. after you go from like, uh, I forgot what it is, like 30th, the 30th AG. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 30th Recession. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the gulag, yeah. After you go from there and get to your actual unit, my first piece of mail was my acceptance letter into the Maryland State Police. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's too late too late at that point man uncle sam's got you you're in it now man so here we Actually, are I'm, I'm gonna tell you a little secret i'm gonna tell you a secret that, we're not, that we don't tell people so I'm a, I'm a drill sergeant in the reserves and uh there's this this unknown thing in the army where like if you don't if you don't like you know remember when you were in basic right and you're like you know there's those there's those, those people that kind of suck and they like you know, the army's like, the drill sergeant's like, dude, you suck. I'm going to get rid of you. They get rid of them and they just don't come back anymore. And you're like, oh shit, they got an honorable discharge and their life's ruined, blah, blah, blah. It's just a failure to adapt. 
It's a, it's a, it's just a regular old discharge, man. So you, you could have just fucking walked out of there and, uh, hate to break it to you. I'm sorry. Bags in hand. Just walked away from it. Just pushed <laughs> away from the table. No, I, I like looking back, man. Uh, I, I needed to get away from Maryland and, uh, I had to leave twice to figure that out, honestly. So what, what year was that? January of what year? That was uh, 2006. Okay. And so, so you saw you saw Black Hawk down, and you were like, fuck, I want to be a ranger. That is pretty rad, though. We, we, were, we were in the field when that movie came out, out in Germany. Yeah. And they, they, uh, we had a break in training. They, they were like, no training today. We had a Donza, whatever it is. And um, they were like, we're going to Camp Lockin, and everybody's going to the movies. We're all going to go watch Black Hawk Down. I mean, some, cause some of our leadership was, uh, around during the, obviously during, around during that time. They knew people that were there, or, uh, I think we had one or two guys that was actually in Mogadishu, not necessarily in the, the big battle, but they were part of it, the aftermath of it. So, man, talking about a crazy time. Um, such a cool movie to get you in, in the military too, man. Cause like you could have been, you could have been inspired by the, uh, the Delta dudes in there. Uh, the Rangers, man, that's where it's at. Yeah. So how old are you? Because a lot of the people that we speak to about the, the you know, when did you join the military or our next question, when was, uh, where were you during nine eleven? Because a lot of guys were, I mean, we sp- just spoke to a guy who was still in elementary school. Yeah, we were graduating high school at the, at that time. Kevin was graduating basic. I had just started basic and uh, just want to know where were you at in life at that point? Uh, I was so when it happened, I actually watched because I'm from the East Coast. Mm-hmm. So I actually watched on the news, like the tower smoking and everything. I was in ninth grade. We were sitting in science class, and we're just like watching the buildings burn. It's like holy shit! Like, I mean, even then, I was like, I have to do something. And I mean, that was kind of the that was really was the path. I mean, I wish it was something sexier and grander, but like you know, watching that happen and like mornings on, on TV in the morning. Like, it's like, I, I got to do something. That's yeah. a, that's familiar for all of a lot of us. I mean, again, me and Kevin, that wasn't necessarily the case because it happened after we had signed. So hats off to you guys for joining, knowing that you're going to go to some combat off the bat, you know? One, yeah, and choosing that you're like, you know what, you, you know, you, you watch a movie like Black Hawk Down, you see some events like 9-11, and then you're like, yeah, I'm going to not only join the Army, I'm going to go infantry, and then I'm going to go ranger. Did you did you get a ranger contract coming into it, right? Yeah, and my thing was like I, I, I wasn't like a lot of people like, oh man, I'm gonna join the military during the time of war and like be surprised that I they send me to war. It's like, nah, like I'm gonna go to fucking fight, and I want if I'm gonna go fight, I want to fight with some of the best people that are fighting. So like, I joined in January, and then I my first deployment was like we were gone by like October of that year. Really. You know, it's, it's funny. It's funny that you put it that way too, because I I cannot tell you how many times I've been, I've stood in front of trainees and I said, you're going to go to war. That's literally our job. What's your MOS? Doesn't matter. What's your MOS? Doesn't matter. Guess where you're going to end up. You're going to deploy to Iraq. You're going to deploy to Afghanistan. You might see combat. You're definitely going to see rockets, mortars, this and that. And just the draw, the, the jaws dropping, like, I didn't, I didn't, I don't, I didn't join for that. There's a reason that I, I chose supply. There's a reason I chose truck driver. I'm like, Oh, you chose truck driver. You're definitely going to see combat, man. <laughs> Surprise, man. man. So, like reality check for them, a lot of them. Yeah. So how was the training 
to get into ranger or to be become a ranger i know it's not uh the easiest thing a lot of our listeners really don't know the details about that you can clue us in um so i'm older and what it was back in the day was the ranger doctor program or rip um they've changed it now to it's called rasp uh ranger assessment selection program and it's longer and what it does is that the second so before it used to just be like them just driving your dick into the dirt, fucking you up, like to see how long you wanted to be here. Uh, I remember the first day, uh, it's like June. Yeah. Like middle of June or something like that. Like we're I kind of in processing and getting ready for the July class. And they're like, well, we got too many of you here. Cause we, what they'll do is they'll say at the end of airborne school, and this is when they started airborne school first. And then you go to uh, rip, they say, all right, anybody have a ranger contract or anybody who wants to be a ranger, come on. You throw your bags on the bus, and you just fucking take off running from airborne um, graduation. You just fucking run to the ranger barracks, and you run down there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you run down there, and then they just start smoking the shit out of you. And they're like, "Well, like, I don't know how many beds they have, but for example, let's say like a hundred beds." And they're like, "Well, we got 120 of you, so we're just going to smoke the shit out of you until we until 20 of you quit." Wow. And I remember sitting there, and we were doing push-ups and like people had blisters on their hands because we're doing them on the blacktop mm-hmm. and it is let us sit there <laughs> like yeah just fuck this up all day until those like 20 people quit and then that was like well now you can sign your paperwork wow to, that we know who you are and then that's like that was like day zero type shit <laughs> like you show up and they're automatically their goal is to get rid of 20 of y'all yep that's crazy and i like it though i wish we could do that in basic training <laughs> I tell you, man, I wish we could do that in basic training. Day zero, like, introductions, and then smoke the shit out of them until we get rid of, like, 20 of them. Because, man, a normal cycle, you're probably going to lose 20. You can just you can handle that right there, day zero. Easy peasy, man. That's a, that's a good tactic. I like that. So what, so what was life after that? Like, surely, surely it got better. It got easier. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> it, it's different. Like, because uh, people ask, like, what's the difference between, uh, like, being a ranger and then, like, ranger school? And a lot of people in the kind of military will know, at least in the army. Um, but the biggest difference, especially if we're talking to like civilians will be um, ranger school is like a degree. So it's like you went to college and you got your degree. Like, yes, technically you are a ranger, but like, let's say for example, um, if you, you know, are a plumber, but you went to school for it, like you could be a plumber, you can work in that profession, but you never went to school for it. Right. So that makes you a plumber. But you could also get uh, you go to school for and get a degree in that, and then work at, you know, uh, be a doctor. And it's like, well, you have a degree to be a plumber and the other degrees, but like you're qualified. But that doesn't mean you are a plumber. And then to be a ranger leader, that would mean you like work in the field and you have like the degree to do that thing. No, so um, I, I I have this conversation with a lot of the drill sergeant candidates that we have. I've been like I said, I've been a drill sergeant for quite a while. And um, I always ask the question, at what point do you become a drill sergeant? You know, mm-hmm. is it when you com- complete your drill sergeant academy? Is it when you first go on the trail and you've done a full cycle? Is, your, is, your, is it that first time giving a class to trainees? You know, at what point do you consider yourself to be a drill sergeant? And, I, I, you know, it's, it's different for everybody. My, my personal take is once you've understood your role in that community, then you are like, you can go to the school and become like you said, like you can go to the school and, and, and get your badge, drills aren't badge, your Ranger tab, whatever. 
But what you do after that, like, well, maybe, maybe you, you know, you go off because you as 11 Bravo, I was in first ID, right? I can yeah. go to ranger school. I can get my ranger tab. I am a ranger, but I'm not a ranger. I'm ranger qualified. Yeah, that's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. For, for you guys listening, if you don't understand, it's a big difference. That you, you can have your tab, but to be in a ranger bat, uh, eventually get some combat and get that scroll that stays forever. Uh, yeah. You, you got to be, uh, it, it's a different kind of deal. And speaking of which, tell me about that first deployment. Um, that first deployment was weird because it was, one, I didn't bring enough clothes, uh, any of my cold weather gear. Uh, I went to Afghanistan in like October and I think we got done around February and it was fucking freezing. Just like top old school, like top gunning. Like when like, you know, we would just sit, sit in the back, like pick up Chuck styles, of, like light, like super light armor where if like we got blown up, they would just got fucking instantly vaporized mm. that shit. Mm. Like I, it's crazy now looking at like, you know, MRAPs and like, um, what is it? The like just strikers that we kind of got like halfway into it, but like, where we started and we were just like, yeah, man, we're just going to like throw some sandbags and the back of this Humvee and hope for the best. Yeah. Like that, that was, was like my, yeah, that was my first appointment. That was, yeah, that's how it was for us too. When we got over in Iraq and 04, cause we, I mean, we were, we were mechanized infantry with Bradley's, but like with the Humvees that we did have, or like the, the national guard company that was attached to us, you know, they had old five tons and, and, and light, light Humvees with no armor on them at all. And so sandbags, welding steel plates to the side, it looked ghetto as fuck. Um, so our Ranger deployment though is, is different than a, you know, a regular force con deployment. Like, you know, as you know, Tyree and I, we were in Iraq for a year, Ranger deployment, like you guys aren't there for the full year, but your op tempo is like insane. Like yeah. how long was that deployment? So it's not, I mean, it's not a secret, but like uh, we were deploying uh, at least once a year. We deploy for anywhere between um, four to six months, depending on what your mission was. And then, you know, if you're lucky, you, know, you stay longer. You sometimes arrive early, then leave late. But that's just to kind of like usher in the next groups. Like, hey, you know, this is what, um, you know, TTPs have been working, what hasn't been working. Um, uh, later on, we got into more like, you know, dealing with the locals and like uh, was an Afghan partnering unit. So, like, just having someone there to do a better handoff to um, is why we stayed a little bit later. But, I mean, I was there. Uh, I was active for five and a half years, and I had five deployments. I missed one to go to ranger school. Dang. Yeah, so, um, like I said, like, yeah, so, like, you guys, your deployments are, are longer, but y'all are busier. Like, y'all are doing something all the time. There's, like, I mean, how often, like, on your deployments did you have, like, downtime or going off to R&R? Was that even a thing? No, because we were there so we so we didn't even go to like um like NTC or anything. We had kind of internal stuff, and then we would go overseas. And it's just because the turnaround time is so fast. It's like with everything, because you got to think in terms of like uh big army, right? Because after I went to the guard and everything, I kind of saw like that side of it. But like all your schools that you have to go to, um, things like uh you know WLC uh ALC jump master all those things that you have to do like for big army you have to do at that as well but that is also crammed in there with um anytime we're going to the range any calls um EIB all that stuff and then you're deploying every year so like our deployments are shorter but like our op tempo for home and for being deployed was just insane yeah through the roof yeah i can imagine like the, yeah cuz our i mean we so we we got back from our deployment from Kosovo in 2002. We had 14 months before deployment to Iraq. 
we knew we were going to be in Iraq for a year, maybe 18 months. So that whole time, those, that 14 months, like we were going to the field, but like, not like that. Like, you know, we didn't even hold an EIB. They were like EIB on the back burner, um, schools. We, we did send a, a few folks to some schools here and there. Um, but like, that was not the priority. The priority was, you know, packing up household goods, going down to Grafenvere, going down to Hohenfels, um, being there for, We'd go down for a weekend. We'd go down for two weeks. We'd be there for a month, you know, but like, not like what you're talking about though. Like, but for obvious reasons though, like you guys are army Rangers, like actual Ranger battalions. Like the, what's expected of you guys is, is so much more than what's expected of everybody else. And for good reason. Yeah. It's it's the, you know, and you choose that. It's not like, oh man, I'm just going to, you know, whoop my own ass and then not expect you know, the things that come with it. Like you like, you, you purposely know, you know, suspending up there on the court. Like, you know, if you, if you don't want to be there, leave. Like, and I think that's one of the biggest things like going from even, cause even the, the first guard unit I went to uh, was airborne nurse. So it was one of those things where, you know, we could keep, kick people out. If you don't, you don't want to do PT, you don't want to meet the standard. You don't want to land that. That's fine. You don't have to be here. And I think that was like the biggest thing of seeing where, you know, you have places where, you know, the elite level operators, they just, they want to be there. They want to train. They, they like all those things versus someone who's like barely scraping by. Like that was like, that was kind of the death knell for me when I came to the Oregon guard was like, man, there's people here who like, for example, um, being in battalion, I would know my hundred percent, my PT scores. And I would try to exceed that every time. And that's, I feel like the basic thing, PT, because, you can be out of the military and you still have to do PT because you have to take care of your body. Like you're, that's an individual task. Uh, so if you don't do that, then you're already fucking up. But so let's say PT. And that was what every, everyone knew hundred percent. Everyone wanted to exceed that. Whereas I came to the, when I got out and uh, eventually moved to Oregon and it was like the Oregon guard, man, people would know they're 60% and couldn't even hit that. It's like, bro, what the fuck? And these are like 20 year old kids. Like Jesus Christ. I can like, get wasted the night before, like drink a shit ton, wake up and get like at least an 80 or a 90. These yeah. kids can't even do like the 60. Man, that, hey, hey, you're exactly, I was just, I was just thinking that as you were talking about that is like, yeah, man, like there are people who are just like, what's my 60% for the APFT? What What's the minimum that I got to do to pass? You know, and, and now like when my, when my candidates ask or train, when I'm on the trail and trainees ask, what's, what's my minimum to pass? I don't know. What's your hundred percent? You know what I'm saying? Like, what's your 100? percent That's what you be striving for. Yeah, sure. You might not. You might not get it, right? You maybe, right? But if you're not striving for that number, right? If you got to go out there and you got to run 13 minutes for your two mile, and and you know you might you might come short. You might be at 1440 or whatever. That's fine. But as, as long as you're pushing for 13, you're pushing for more. I mean, you can't hate on that. But like, if you're like, what's my 60 percent? Uh, 1758. 1758 is my time then. You know what I mean? And that's that's BS, dude. It is. Yeah. I hate that. Hey, in the <laughs> reserves, it was the same way. Uh, the older guys, they know, hey, at at, at how many? 28 push-ups because they're 50 or 60 or some crazy shit like that. 28 push-ups. Hey, I'm just going to go ahead and raise my hand, man. Don't worry about it after that. Just just call me done after that. Like, all right, cool, man. Like, who are you going to argue with that? Yeah. Or the dudes that are like, oh, man, I cannot wait until next year when I turn fucking 38 and my age bracket goes up and I got yeah. a lower number. Come mm-hmm. on, dude. Come on, man. Hey, this last time I was on the trail, I had a guy. Uh, he's a, he's a prior service kid. 
I say kid, he was 49 years old. He turned 50 in basic training. Wow. Um, the, the dude was, he did 11 years on active duty, made it to uh, E5 promotables, about to make his six, decided to get out and go law enforcement and then get, get, got into the, the federal side of it and, uh, and decided he wanted to come back in the army at 49 years old to show his kid, his 17 year old. He's like, look, if I can do it at almost 50, you can do it at 17. And so this dude, he came in, we, we did their first, uh, ACFT, the new, uh, PT test that we have. And like, obviously I'm grading him on the 50, 49, 50 year old scale and stellar score, like five out of 600. I think he had like a five thirty or five forty, something insane. And I was like, I wonder what his, his, uh, his numbers are. If I put him on the uh, 17 to 21 or 22 scale, the dude still outscored like 60% of the fucking company. You know what I mean? Like, like the majority of the kids that were in that age group, he, he was blowing them away. He just had that mentality. He's like, you know, like, like you said, like fit, you know, if, if you're not doing fitness, you're fucking up. Mm-hmm. If you, you don't got to get ready, if you're already ready, is what he was thinking, rolling up. Yeah. yeah. So what, uh, after you got out of active duty, uh, you went into the guard, but why didn't you go and uh, pursue the police career? Um, it just wasn't for me. I, I, I actually tried in Maryland and when I was going through, just, I realized that like, stick me in Maryland mm. and God, I, I just hated Maryland. Great seafood. Great. Uh, that's, that's about it. <laughs> like didn't really like the, the grind. Didn't like the people. Didn't like the traffic. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's just not, it wasn't a great place. And then, you know, after moving or living in the Pacific Northwest, um, and you know, things have changed a little bit up here, but for the most part, the Pacific or Northwest is just better. Um, a lot more trees, a lot more accessible. Like you can go from the airport to like, we just filmed my buddy's farm in like 45 minutes. I mean like a legit farm where he has cows, he sells pigs, like he has like a butcher and everything. Or you can go an hour and a half to the beach. You can go to the mountains. It's just like way more things to do outside. Um, like there's traffic here, but it's not as bad as the East coast is. So just, this is a lot better quality of life out here. Have you always been kind of like a, um, I mean, because I, I imagine Oregon's a lot more outdoorsy than where you were in Maryland. I don't know anything about Maryland. I guess they have good seafood. I've heard that before. Um, seems like I heard that somewhere today. Um, but like, are, are you like, are you take a typically like an outdoors kind of guy? Um, I mix it up. Like, I do like to do the city stuff and, you know, be indoors, but like just being able to reset and go out, you know, to the woods and then like, um, a lot of the greenery has grown, but we had some fires not too long ago that like killed a bunch of um, like the forest. But now that's starting to come back and just going to the waterfalls. Like there's some beautiful, beautiful waterfalls that are like legit. Again, 30 minutes outside the city, you can go for a hike and stuff like that. Like there's a lot of good, just uh, just nature out here. It's, it's hard to beat. And there's not a lot of things that will eat you out here either. So that's important. That's fucking key right there. man. <laughs> you can just go out into the woods, you know? Yeah. So, during all this time, at some point, when did you catch the acting bug? Uh, so that was I trying to say. I actually started with modeling, as kind of, and then it segued into acting. Um, I had a friend who uh, she works for Patricia Field, uh, Nadia Tulin, and she would hit me up sometimes. Like I guess a lot of her models, like she would do fashion shows, and like a, a lot of her models would just not call. No call, no show. And it became one of those things. She's like, hey, Billy, like, 
you think you can like fit this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, cool. I'll come down. And, you know, I, I did that and it was fun. And a couple did it a couple more times. And eventually I became the guy that instead of being second, you know, or third down the line, they're like, well, he's always reliable. Let's hire him first. And that became one of the things where it's like, okay, well, you know, that was just kind of from the military, you know, show up on time, right uniform, or, you know, they had the clothes for me. And someone's like, hey, like, that's cool. You know, it's almost like doing extra work, right? So come do some extra work. And then going on set, and like, man, this is even cooler. And the extra work kind of turns into like, hey, and these are some, you know, student films. And like, hey, we're like, would you like to say something? Or like, you know, like, livened up a little bit and like just interacting now with the actors. And it's like, this is fun. And talking to more guys. And I met a guy, um, a buddy of mine, Gustavo. And he's like, uh, hey, man, like, do you ever want like some advice or one of that? He's a former veteran too. It's like, hey man, just like let me know. And but I think this is kind of a good fit for you. It's like, cool, that was awesome. And just it just kept snowballing into like one thing after the next, doing one thing, being on bigger and bigger sets, and you know, that's kind of just how it is how it happened. What was it like on on your first big set? Like, I used to be a model back in the day. Now I'm I'm on I'm in here with the big dogs. Like, what is that like? For people, um, for those of us who never know, uh, I'm trying to think of the biggest set I was on recently, or I would say like the biggest production set was like just after the pandemic, um, and I did a cheap commercial, and that was nuts. There had to have been, and I mean, this is like a remote, remote, remote location um, out in the Oregon woods, but they still brought like God it had to have been over a hundred person production. It was nuts. Like there was departments on departments on departments and like watching them set up and how efficient that was. That was cool. But like, they even brought like, like your crafty. It wasn't just like, usually the places you go, it's like, Oh, we, we have a crafty table. They brought like a trailer out that was just crafty. It was nuts. It was like walking inside for like a seven 11. You're like, what is going, this is like just in this remote location, like two hours away. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, this is nuts. And um, that was cool. Cause like, uh, I was one of the like, principal um, actors on that and like just had to like hold a kayak and walk around for that. that. Um, but yeah, it was so like, I wouldn't say, I didn't even know a lot of these people were like, um, so Lisa Chulich, she was one of the models for that, one of the actresses for that and like uh, big time like rock climber, surfer and like, I just didn't even know who she was. Like, oh, hey, like you're like, you're built like next to me. Hi. I didn't, mm-hmm. had no idea. Just smoozing with the stars and had no clue. No clue. Uh, yeah. And um, I did a little bit of acting, like background work. I was in tenant, just as background, uh, and also did a commercial with the Army, and I was also principal for that. So that's also a very weird thing, weird thing to go through, like having your own trailer and people running to get you food if you wanted. I had a guy give me donuts. I didn't even eat them. I just wanted to say I had a guy give me donuts on the set that, you know, made me feel special but you know to take that to your level where you're now really into it like i did it for fun but you're feeding yourself with it um when did you make the decision like this is what i'm gonna do like this is it um kind of just like everything else i tend to get a little bit obsessive i'm like ah, this is my thing i'm gonna just dive super deep and uh, i'm kind of uh i'm glad that at least with the pandemic there was a way for, I was like, man, you know, everything shut down. So I'm just going to read a bunch. And 
I started with Stanislavski and then went all the way up like Stella Adler and um, just kept grinding book after book. It's like, okay, at least I know like at least the foundation of like stage acting and kind of like where it came from and how we're, we're transitioning to um, film and TV. Uh, and then uh, taking classes online, which led to taking classes to in person. And it was just, I, I kind of pushed myself down a path. And I was like, yeah, this is fun. I, I, I continue to want to keep doing this. And, it, you know, one of the things like, well, if no one tells you no, then just keep doing it. Almost like too stupid to like fail or like too stupid to realize, you know, you, like, people will say things like, you know, I've had people like, oh, man, you're never going to make it or that's dumb or, you know, whatever. And it's like, OK, well, that's that's you. That's not me. I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing. Yeah, it's funny. so you also oh, go ahead. Kevin. Go ahead. <clears throat> so you also do a, like a fair bit of like cosplay, too. Yeah. Yeah, and that helps. Um, that also helps with like in, in between with the acting. Uh, again, kind of a uh, pandemic hem- uh, hobby that transferred over, and then I just like building stuff. Like, I actually have my three D printer right next to me, right off camera. So you, okay, so that's cool. So you make a lot of your own stuff then. Um, yeah. So the, the so the acting and, and the cosplay kind of came to, uh, around the same time. You know, like I, I mean, like, I, I I see how they go hand in hand, but like, which one kind of came first? Which, I mean, which one did you have like an interest in? Uh, I would say the cosplay came first, and the acting was separate. And then, like you know, it's part of just getting in the character, um, like living, living, breathing, and like being that character um, for a little bit. And it's it means something more, I think, when you you're hand designing the costume, you're painting to chips on the armor because. Um, if you have armor pieces, like, you know, every little chip or the wear and tear of that armor tells its own story, you know. Um, is this person right-handed? Do they walk with a limp, you know? Um, do they have a backpack that, like, grinds on the left side or, or so, something like that? So all those things tell a story. A lot of attention to detail. Oh, yeah. Um, that's cool. I mean, so when Tyree was doing the uh, the talent agent thing, he he, he's, <laughs> he made me sign up for it and uh, to be a talent. And hey, I, man, I... Man, I I can't act to save my life, man. Um, I mean, I can act mad when I'm in front of trainees. That's about it. <laughs> but um, I, I did think long and hard about it, like because there was one, a couple of roles that, that I was going to submit some stuff on, and I would I, I would read the script and I was like, this, this doesn't seem too bad, you know what I mean? And like, and then when it came down to like actually being able to film it, I like I would get like extreme anxiety just like the idea of like propping my my phone up on a on a ring light oh really and just doing the 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 self tapes yeah yeah, oh, yeah. i would get anxiety doing that because i knew that i was gonna have to send them to people and they were gonna look at it and be like yay or nay you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying you were gonna see it jessica was gonna see it you know people were gonna see it and then judge me for it you know what i mean and and uh and i and honestly like i i don't really know I don't really know like how one gets into character about stuff. And I, I put a lot of like that. There was that one, there was that one uh, Tyree that was like a, uh, like it was an old Western thing. It happened up in like Montana or some shit like the 1800s and like the accents. And I was like, I was like studying like, okay, so, uh, you know, I think people are going to expect a Southern accent, but like, one, they're not in the South. The actor themselves is because it was based on real people was from St. Louis is not really the South. And it was around this time and the Southern accent wouldn't have been the same this time. So like, I was like reading deep into it, trying to like figure out like what the accent would sound like so I could portray it. Right. And then I was like, I'm just going to sound fucking stupid, man. I'm not going to do this. I I tried though. You gave it a shot. What do you do, Billy, to get yourself into the right mind frame for these roles? 
that you you have. And we're going to go over a lot of them because I'm sitting here looking at your resume still, and it's loaded. Um, well, first, I, I think, and this is coming from taking like improv classes. Uh, you can't, you got to get over that fact of like, oh man, I'm I'm feeling silly or I'm looking stupid or whatever like that. I mean, that's that's literally your job is to entertain people. So, mm-hmm. you know, they might not be laughing at you for the right reasons or you know whatever maybe, but that's. That's the, the whole point. So I kind of think removing yourself from that of like, yeah, I'm sending this like, and then there's also the side of it where like your, your face is still your face, but you're not you, you're acting out this character. Um, and for me personally, um, kind of figuring out. So every, like, the way, especially with writing now too, getting to that, um, but acting as well. And they, they play off each other in terms of like, what, what is the point of this scene? What is the major, like, uh, the hurdle in this scene. Um, What am I trying to get? I'm trying to get from A to B. And then so is the other person. And we're, you know, we're blocking each other. Or maybe it's not a person. It could be an object. But a lot of times it's a person. And we're blocking each other. And so what what happens if they don't get their way? And what happens if I don't get my way? And it's very, it's a very basic way to put it. But that's usually um, the, the, the heart of like every scene is, because if, if people just go through something and it's like, oh, well, I went to the store and I went to go buy eggs and I gave the cashier $5 and he gave me my eggs and I left. That's a really boring story. There's no emotional beats that I can have. You know, I was just hungry. But, you know, if they tell me my my money is fake, then, you know, like, like no, it's not. I, I worked really hard. Like, maybe my backstory is like, this is the last five dollars I have, and someone fucked me, and now I have five. I think this five dollars is like now I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. I have kids to feed. Like so, there's a lot more emotions that go into that, which is that like one simple change. Exactly. And then the other person, if they're the act, you know, they're acting against me. They're like, well, fuck, I had a long day too. Fuck you, buddy. Give me actual money. <laughs> yep. And before you yeah. know it, you're on a boat cruising through the bay, listening, <laughs> <laughs> blast, blasting that good '80s music because you got your money. The real way, <laughs> the real way. Five bucks, hell yeah. Um, yeah, and that that makes a ton of sense. Now, I, I will say though, like I, I, I am, I am the kind of person like I'll make an ass out of myself in real life. You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm out, usually I have a little bit of like uh, uh, alcohol <clears throat> to lubricate uh, <laughs> my senses. But after that, man, like I just, you know, like. I really, I'm, I'm, I, I've been known to be the, the loud, annoying friend. Um, True. You know, making, <laughs> making an ass of myself, but like, thousand percent. I don't know, man. It, to me, it's, 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 it feels different than, like, I feel like improv would be, it, I, improv to me seems more straightforward than having a script and identifying the character and the backstory and all that stuff. Even though I guess there's still character and backstories with improv, but I don't know. I think it'd be fun though. I, I've, I have thought about, um, cause Tyree was talking about trying to find some like improv classes nearby. And I was like, that would be fun just to do for fun. You know? Yeah. I've always mm-hmm. had fun with improv cause I'm, I have a terrible memory. So to go off of lines would kill me. I would need to have an earpiece like Johnny Depp in uh pirates of the Caribbean is the only <laughs> way I'm going to be able to remember stuff. But if I could just make it up on the spot and I don't just have to make up what you say, I can really get deep into it and, and create something entirely different and basically become a different person. I could do that all day, but it's very weird to run lines for me. It's, I, I, I couldn't get it. But 
besides that being weird for me, um, when you're on the set now, because you also produce some things also, what is that like? Um, so the producing is a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, it's wrangling cats. Um, it, it is, you know, everyone's like, okay, well, write the parts that you want or stories you want to see. So I was like, okay, well, I'll do it. And, you know, I don't have any formal background. Um, was okay at English, I guess, in college and high school. Um, but it's one of those things where I didn't have, like, you know, I have somebody's who are like, yeah, I have my master's degree in writing and I'm about to get my doctorate. It's just like, <laughs> Christ, man. Like, I don't, I'm nowhere near that. Um, and I actually trade notes with a good buddy of mine. He's a Marine. And, uh, but he's more, um, um, he does novels, uh, whereas I'm doing screenplays. And part of that was just, yeah, like writing the stories that I wanted or I thought that would be fun. Everybody has something. They're like, man, it'd be really cool, you know, if X meets Y. And then it's like, well, well I watched a bunch of YouTube videos and looked up the, the screen batting formula and listened to a bunch of people that are better than me and was like, cool, like I'll take those things to heart and uh, put them to this page. And then um, uh, Final Draft is also a, like a lifesaver. It's like 120 bucks a year and like it will format ex- mm-hmm. a script exactly the way you want it to. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy now after doing things for the guild and writing my own stuff and even seeing final draft when I get like some like indie script, I'm like, who, who wrote this? Like, wh- why is this format so bad? Like, or like the pacing is off or like, there's like tons of dialogue that are or like action where it's like, I feel like I'm reading a book. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like it's like very punchy, like, uh, like a screenplay should be. But then there's also uh, versions of that where if you're directing it, and you're producing it, you can write it however the hell you want to. You can have pictures in it. You can have, I mean, it's wrong industry standard, but like, if it's for you, then do whatever you want. Yeah. <clears throat> so right now, uh, if those, for those of you who aren't familiar with anything Hollywood, everyone's on strike and it's getting crazier and crazier. So tell me a little bit about this strike situation. Cause I don't know much. Um, so the writer started it. And it was essentially like the, the big thing was AI. Um, and they wanted to. So when you write a draft and you typically get paid for that draft is my understanding of when, when once it gets option to be bought. Right. And then you're paid um, for everything else under that. Um, so like a lot of people think like, oh, man, you just get like one lump sum of money for the work you've done for this finished project. It's like, no, well. If someone says, let's say you want to buy it for me and you're like, man, I like this draft, but, uh, you know, maybe we need, a, maybe we need more of a love story. Okay. I go back, I write another draft, I give it to you. I will get more money for that. Right. And then I would get, or it's less overall, but I'm getting money every time I turn you in a draft. So what they were trying to do for AI, instead of having a bunch of writers do it, um, they would use the AI to get the main draft, the body, which is what you're paid for the most AI to do that. And then they would just hire maybe a couple, maybe even just one guy like per department to be like, uh, he looks over them and edits them better. So he's making less money and like, it's getting out like the bottom level, like, or like entry level writers. That's, that's kind of, it's pretty shady. It's real shady. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucked up, man. Yeah, I didn't know any of that stuff. I just thought that <clears throat> I thought it has more to do with just how much they're being paid based on the work that they're doing, not 
not not the AI part of it. That is pretty. Uh, what was that? Uh, it was a show on Netflix. They, they had an episode that was about this, like Black Mirror or something like that, where like this the owner of a Netflix type company was using uh, verbiage in contracts with actors and AI to recreate random people's lives based off of like, because we all have our cell phones and computers and shit and it's constantly tracking what we're doing with our day-to-day lives. And so then AI is tuning into these people. I can't remember the episode's called, but it's tuning into these people and it's like basically reconstructing their life as accurately as possible being played by these particular actors um, whose faces are being AI'd into the whole thing is a whole thing. But like, I think Salma Hayek is in the episode. Uh, I think John sucks. Yeah, 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 and that's exactly what it sounds like to me. And I was like, "That's fucking wild." And you know, that's that's basically the same thing, kind of. And you know, yeah, it's freaky. There's, there's there's a lot of things that like, um, so there was uh another thing for like for the actor side of it too was like for extras. So what they were trying to do with that is they would scan you like, and it's they would scan you like they do in a video game. And then now, and they pay you, I don't know, however little, you know, the, the minimum they can get away with. And then they own your image for in perpetuity. So if they want you to be, you know, in a basketball stadium, like watching a basketball game, or they want you to see them in a coffee shop, they'd only have to pay you for the first time they did it. And then they could, you could be in a hundred movies, digitally as an actor or a background actor that you could, um, yeah, and it's just like, well, that's, you know, bullshit, too. They should be getting paid for that. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like anytime your likeness is used, they, I mean, there should be some kind of payout for that. You got to be careful with the contract you sign, man. Like you said, if yeah. it's in perpetuity, and I, we, me and you spoke about that before, Kevin, is uh, personally, I wouldn't have anyone sign anything in perpetuity. I mean, if you're hurting for money, man, and you got to get something going for yourself, if that's the last resort, cool, but try not to do those things because, again, that's your image, and your image is all you have in some cases. And to give that to any studio for any particular reason, man, you might be uh, asked out of some money in, in the back end, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and that's the best money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what what'd you say? Oh, oh, you're being... No, sorry. Uh, Billy, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, with the With the contract stuff, it's like a lot of – I feel like a lot of people definitely do sign things before they even look at it because it's like, um, especially with video game stuff, it's like once they scan you for that video game, like at that point they can do whatever they want with your image. Um, Like I I forgot the guy's name, but he talks about um, they scan this image and then for like a a character and he he wasn't happy that uh, because I guess he's a pacifist that they were using his game, his character. People were able to shoot him in a video game, mm-hmm. like shoot him and blow him up because he's in he's in um, advanced warfare, I believe. And it's like, uh, I feel you, but at the same time, like I've signed some of those Call of Duty contracts myself, and it's like they tell you up front, like, hey, like this is a war game, like we use an image because you're going to be in a war game where there's soldiers, and it's like. You gotta, you gotta look at like, I mean, you know, it's, I don't, I don't know. I feel like if you're gonna do something for a company, then you should at least look into the company a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so, and, and with signing any contract, whether it be you know a rental contract for an apartment, or signing a, a new contract for buying a car, or joining the military, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. acting contracts, 
read that fucking stuff, man, or have a lawyer uh, translate it because it's going to be in, 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 in lawyer speak anyway. So have somebody translate it for you or something, man, before you go ahead and put your, your signature on there because once that's on there, it's on there. Um, Yeah, I, I and I, I will say I am pretty guilty of I didn't read a single one of my contracts in the army, but no, oh, yeah, it's not away, man. You know what I'm saying? Just, I, I knew Four, I knew the first one was getting me in, and the rest of them were keeping me in. So. Four thousand dollar bonus. Where do I sign? <laughs> yeah, Four thousand. I got twenty, dude. All my reenlistments. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Four grand over here. So you mentioned Call of Duty a couple times. Which games are you in exactly, and what in in what role? Uh, so Modern Warfare Two. Um, I'm on a couple of car and cars, and I've done some of the um, like real world uh, kind of motion capture stuff for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've also done some stuff for uh, three as well. Oh, th- the, the the one that's coming yeah, up. Yeah. So three is just released. Um, and because of that, I can actually now say that I've done some stuff for them. Okay. I can, so- I can at first because the game had like, there was no official release, but now that it's out in the world, I can mm-hmm. say that I've been part of that as well. Nice, man. What are you um, in, in the third one? What's your role uh, so- there? Can you so a lot of times I'll do the um, the background actor. So like, um, if you've seen like the, uh, do you play the game at all? Oh yeah, never never heard of it. <laughs> Man, <laughs> well, I have to ask. Some people are like, oh, I've heard of Call of Duty, but I don't play it. So like, no. Nah, yeah, so me, me and Tyree and my best friend Jess and her husband, we have a a little community called In the Community, um, yeah. ITC for short. <laughs> so we all play on a thing together. <laughs> Yeah, we play We're not, terrible. not as much as we should because everyone's busy lately, but all the time. Like so when you mention like you you know a little bit of something something about the third one, I'm like what what do you know cuz you know we always in there, man. <laughs> yeah. I want to know. So that's all I can say about the third one is that I have done some of the same things I've done for the second one. Um uh I have to get your um information up there your Activision codes cuz I'm on Xbox, but if that that um, like the calling cards that I have in my showcase, my face is on all of the calling cards. Yeah, I think I got one. I got one in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh man, y- y'all got to see this. Like, I work, I not work with this guy, but you know, this guy that I know acting wise, you know, right here. That's crazy. So, what are you working on? I mean, well, I guess you're not really working on much now due, due to the strike. Uh, what are your other fellow actors thinking about this whole thing right now? Um, the actor strike is a little bit different and that's just more of like, they, they're kind of the same thing in terms of residual stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's just because like, so streaming has been hiding their numbers and like, you know, everyone brings up like the good example would be like Seinfeld. So like Seinfeld syndicated and you know, those people don't need to work anymore if they don't want to, they're just getting money because it gets sh- shown on, you know, however many networks, um, people that bought that show. Um, whereas now with streaming, like you, get you know a couple million views or a couple hundred million views but like no one knows that so like the residual checks have been like very small like comparatively because um streaming hides their numbers yeah so they're trying to part of that is being a little more transparent and paying them um the same as they were like when they were doing networks and stuff i bet you the execs are shaking man because who buys a dvd now it's all streaming it's all, all that's where all that money's going. So once they, yeah, I was really surprised books, to see the red boxes are still outside of Walgreens. You know what I'm saying? Like, huh? Who still goes to those? Yeah, like it's it's 
Disney Plus and only Max and all this kind of stuff. You'd spend mm-hmm. as much money on subscriptions as you would with regular cable, but whatever. Um, that's it's, it's weird because like now, I mean, they, like Blu-rays are still a thing. I think Blu-rays are a very very niche thing because like just what they that kind of the purpose they serve. But I think that's where you would almost like a collector. So you put all your you know all all your BTS and talking to the cast and crew and like conceptual stuff like you put a lot of that on the on the Blu-ray, but then like at the same time, like when you have TikTok and YouTube and all these things to promote, it's like you you have to put that stuff on there too. Yeah. Well, so a lot of those like you talking about like like featurettes on Blu-rays. You know, so you yeah, get the yeah. you get the main movie and you get all this other stuff. So um I use Vudu uh mm-hmm. to to get movies, to buy movies, whatever. And if you buy a movie on there, you get those same featurettes. Um, I, I I don't really watch a lot of them. I mean, unless it's like bloopers. I like bloopers, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Some of those people are hilarious as fuck. But um, yeah, I know. Like Tyree said, like I mean, I, I don't think many people are out there buying those things. I mean, unless it is like you said, like specifically for a collector's purpose, um, or you want those extra details, or whatever. But uh, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm just saying, like over last two decades. I mean, we can all remember when a VHS tape was the way to go right now it's it's blu-rays and shit like that but if it's so much easier for me to just click a couple buttons on my remote and now I got it here who cares if I have to download it I mean I got this all the space in the world so I understand why actors would be pissed off about that because you know that's a lot of money I'm missing out on it's not not everyone's making Seinfeld money you know what I mean yeah so Billy like in your opinion what's what's the solution there um, I mean, I don't know the numbers that have been passed around um, with that. I mean, I don't even know if they can go back to like the original because um, like we're talking like the actual the DVD sales that used to be part of like a contract. So let's say, oh man, you could pay me less, but I get a percentage of DVD and um, theatrical and stuff like that. Where it's like, well, let's say, let's say uh, you want like, I get 2% of DVD sales and theatrical release. Well, that screws people if it just goes straight to streaming. They can, they can be like, oh, man, it didn't really do as good as it, he said it did, and keep however that they want to do that. So I think transparency with that is going to be the biggest deal. Uh, we'll see if the, um, if the networks want to play ball on that. And then I think another thing, too, is that, like, I think movies cost too much, and I just it's a – you know, I say adjusted with inflation stuff, but like you have companies like um, that'll put on like Indiana Jones, the last one, which I heard cost like three hundred million dollars, and then you look at that's just making it. But then you have to sell it, and that's usually about the same price as the budget. And then what the distributor, if um, movie theaters take their cut too, so like you you almost have to make like three times as much as what it costs to make. So like. You can't like uh, the, having a movie that the only way it can almost break even is to have a billion dollars is nuts. Yeah. Yeah. When you, you put it at, like that, man, yeah, that, that, that does seem pretty in, insane. It, huh. Yeah. hundred percent. Budgets is just going up and up. And, uh, lately, I mean, besides Barbie and Oppenheimer, who's really bringing in a bunch of, well, I guess there's some other movies, but I mean, box office is way down. Why are the movies still costing a quarter of a billion dollars to be made here when we can do half the shit in the computers now, apparently 
wouldn't even have to have sets. Where's all that money going? I, I always thought like, man, okay, maybe a chunk of that goes to the uh, the actors' pay or whatever their their salary for the thing, and then the crew members, directors, all that kind of stuff. But still, like, it doesn't equate to, in, in my eyes, in some movies, like that big of a budget to produce. In some cases, yeah. crap. I always, I always thought whenever they're making a movie, right? Let's say, you know, we're talking about fucking Avengers, right? Big movie, big production, a lot of CGI, a lot of big names in it. I always figured, and you know, this is long before talking to Kyrie, before he was doing the um, the talent stuff. I was like, okay, so hey, we want you to be in this movie, fucking Robert Downey Jr. We're gonna pay you twenty million dollars, which I know was he probably weighed way more than that. But like we're, we're going to pay you twenty million dollars, and you, uh, Chris Hemsworth, we're going to pay you twenty million dollars, and you, fucking other people, I can't remember who all's in it. We're going to pay you, you know, based on how popular you are as an actor, we're going to pay you this much money. And I thought when when they come up with the budget for a movie, like okay, we're going to say Avengers is going to cost five hundred million dollars to make. I thought that part of that budget was including what's being paid to those actors, and apparently that's not really the case, is it? Or am I? Am I? Does that make sense? It, it depends on like what numbers they have that are, are public. Because like another thing too is like The Rock is getting. I saw um, I think it was like a Dateline article where like The Rock is getting fifty million dollars to play in a movie. And look, whatever you can pay, you can pay him more. I don't care. But like to, to pay like one actor the amount it costs to make a like a pretty decent quality another film is insane. Yeah, I think that that's insane. Like. Um, there's a lot of movies like um, that, like A24 puts out, um, that probably cost anywhere between twenty to fifty million, and they've made you know three, four times their budget back. Like, uh, let's say for example, uh, anything by or like um, actually Blumhouse is a good example. Um, anything by Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele's, I think his most expensive movie was Nope, which cost fifty, but the dude's like, you know, quadrupling his like. His pro- like the profit that he makes from his movies are insane. So it's like, do you really need to pay somebody much if they're not going to get that? I guess like that return, you know, return on investment, or maybe mm-hmm. they think he is. But I think that's still that's you're putting like obscene amounts of money out there. That like, yeah, that that is a gamble, especially yeah. now. Oh, well, yeah. and you, and, you, and you see that though, like when, when an actor blows up, man, they blow up and they and, and they get busy and they're in every fucking movie. I mean, they put out like two or three movies a year. You know what I'm saying, and 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 like you said, they they're getting paid that much, but you know, I guess it's like, you know, play them while they're hot or whatever. But I, you know, and you saying that about Jordan Peele, man, that dude is just an all around genius. Like he's a clever writer. He's hilarious. His his uh, his what he writes about is freaky as shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and him 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 going about that, like you know, I wonder if he's looking at it as like, how can I make this movie on the smallest budget? While still making it good, and the dude—I mean, he—I don't think he—I don't think he can miss his mark. I mean, the dude's an actual genius. I think. That's yeah, just- I mean, same thing. Um, a good example. Another example is um Tarantino. I mean, Tarantino's also gone. You know, I want like, I want to say like big budget. Like, he doesn't have like a shit ton of special effects, but like a lot of his movies are still grounded and they, you know, I would say moderately budgeted. I mean, the stars probably cost more than anything. Well, but. And there's a, but there's also a lot of people that will work for him, probably even take budget or um, pay cuts to work in Tarantino. I was just going to say that. Make tons of money. Mm-hmm. I, it was a couple people in, in those films that he did, you know, 
oh, it's not going to be a big deal. You know, little small parts you're going to be in. I'll, I would take the fucking pay cut. Give me the pay cut because it's a Tarantino movie or it's a Scorsese movie. Like, uh, what's his name? Um, the second in that movie, uh, lost a bunch of weight recently. You speak chubby. Oh. Either way, uh, the, the second, yeah, the second, Jonah Hill? yeah, Jonah Hill. Yeah, I believe that he took like sixty million for that movie or something extremely low just to be just to be in it, you know. So sometimes you got to make those kind of choices, I, I guess. Um, speaking of Jonah Hill and all this kind of stuff, what do you think about social media effects on actors out here right now? Because there's a bunch of people, Jonathan Majors, uh, things like that, where social media gets way crazy, and now you're losing roles on that. What is your 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 thought on that? Um, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, um, where I think, I don't know, Armour said it best, is that like social media has almost like made people like too connected, especially with like, there's no allure of like the Hollywood, like Star Wars, like, oh man, what do they do when they do these things and behind closed doors or like, now it's like, well, I need to know every part of your life, every second of the day. And like, I think that's like detrimental to that person, like the actor, but also like, the fans as well like that's really like that used to be called stalking to like know what this person had for for breakfast and what type of toilet paper brand they use and all those things and like it's just weird man like i guess people just need to live their lives a little bit like have have, be fans of people but like yeah yeah keep it keep it down to a minimum man like yeah you know (laughs) hey did you hear about so-and-so marrying so-and-so no I don't, I don't care. Like, why, why you do know, you know that? Why is that a thing? Yeah, like, well, uh, yeah. Why do you know that? Yeah. It's, it's well, and that's a lot to do with. Uh, I mean, fuck, paparazzi blew up real big. I mean, you look at like the Princess Diana and, and her and her passing, and that car accident, and the breakdown of Britney Spears back in two thousand eight. Like, you know, like people, and, and it's it's not to say that like it's their their fault specifically, but because they wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for people out there being like, I want to know this stuff. This is the kind of content that sells TMZ or whatever other fucking outlet is 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 putting that stuff out there, and that's giving these people like business, right? Like they're saying like they're just giving them giving them a reason to have business, like you know. Go out there, get in their faces, take their fucking pictures. And you see videos all the time of like an actor's like kind of blowing up on people with cameras. Like, can you not, dude? I'm trying to have lunch. You know what I'm saying? Or I'm trying to walk to my car. Or it's just it's just wild, like how insane people become, how obsessed they become with these people that you see on the on the big screen, not realizing that they're the same kind of fucking person as you. They have personal lives, but for some reason, me as Joe Schmo down here on the street, I am entitled to knowing everything about that person's life because they're on it on TV and I'm not, you know, and that's, that's a problem. Like I've, I've, people feel like they have a fucking entitlement to know every detail about a famous person's life. At the same time, too many famous people put too much fit, too much shit out there. I mean, so do normal people. You I know mean, what I'm yeah, but do that too. we're normal, but nobody gives a fuck about me. Like, but the only the only difference is because nobody gives a fuck about us, right? Like we're not famous. We're not on big screens, although unless somebody watches our show on a big screen. But um, but that's what I'm <laughs> saying though. Like if you're famous, why would you put your personal shit out there constantly, Kardashian style? Look at the video. Yeah, but well, what I'm saying is, is like, what's it matter if you're famous or not? You should be able to like put your shit out there all you want, and people can just live their fucking life. You know what I'm saying? But you know, eight billion people on this planet, you're gonna get all types. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. 
I don't know, man. I'm just saying it goes either way. Like, uh, what do you think, Billy? Yeah, are you prepared for that? Are you prepared for people to know what kind of toilet paper you use? Yeah. People know the toothpaste you use? I think they, they, they feed into each other. Like, one thing is you you have to give people like what they want to some degree, but then also people will tend to ask for more if you give them that thing mm. that they want. Uh, so I guess figuring out where your, your limits are um, is probably going to be the best bet. Like I've taken a step back a little bit from social media because I was like posting, I had like a posting schedule and man, it's just a lot more freeing to post what I want, when I want. And I know that's not very algorithm friendly. Like a lot of people are trying to, oh man, they need to post X amount of reels a day to stay relevant and do all these things. But I also don't like want my life to focus around social media. Like it, some people can do it. I'm, I'm just not that guy. Yeah, I've, I've been, I, it's seriously, <laughs> I went on a rant not too long ago on my Instagram about like the shit that like Instagram is like showing in people's algorithms. And I've seen a bunch of other people ranting about it too. Like, some of the shit that they're showing and you can look at, you know, like, why am I seeing this? And it's like, well, based on things that you like, um, well, last I checked, I'm not, you know, liking videos of people, you know, breaking their fucking legs or getting their arm trapped in a, you know, heavy machinery accident or having skin ripped off of their body. And like, why is this on Instagram anyway? And then you report it as being like, ah, this might be a little too much. And then you're like, nah, it doesn't communicate, violate community guidelines. So it stays you can deal with it. It's just a whole thing, man. Like social media is a fucking joke. It really is. It, I mean, I understand it. If you're trying to promote yourself or your business or your brand or whatever, but it's a, uh, it really is. I think social media is probably one of the biggest killers of our society today. Yeah. It's, it's getting out of hand. I don't like it much either, but man, that's what we got. That's where we are, man. We got to jump on it. I got to promote this show on, on fucking Facebook, Instagram, yeah. and now Thread yeah. and Twitter. I know. And so that's, that, it, so. And, and it goes back to that, that, I mean, it's a, it's a double-edged sword as well. Like, you know, on the one hand, you know, you got to use it for the, for the, like I said, for promoting the content, for promoting the brand. But I think for personal use, man, like I, I would really enjoy just stepping away from it mm. for sure. So that and that honestly, like the more I think about it, like the the more I'm 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 looking at doing that. So for people that follow me, that might be happening soon. <laughs> I think uh, like it's and, and here's the thing too. I think if you're stepping back to to a degree in some ways, like versus like the oh man, I always need to put out something. I think the quality will be better when you do post, and people mm-hmm. like enjoy that more. Of like oh man, you know, oh, I don't get this as much. What what has you know what's uh, like what do you guys been up to? So I think that kind of there's there's like room for that too in terms of like the, the social media game. But uh, yeah, man, just being able to like take a, take a step back and enjoy yourself. Like there's the, the people that are like, oh man, I had to take a mental health break for from social media. It's like, bro, like what? You need to take a mental health break to, for social media? Like that's weird, man. Like, like I don't just like man, I, I need to take a a lung break from smoking for like two weeks and then go back to that shit. Like what the fuck? Yeah. Well, and to make a post about it, I'm going to take a mental health break from social media. And here's this post about it. If you don't see me, 
You know what I mean? <laughs> you're doing Did you exactly see my post about why from. I'm not posting? Well, come on. <laughs> yeah. No, and so I, I, I did that for a while, too. I, I was posting, not on a schedule necessarily, but, like, I was looking at um, – I had another – a third-party app that would look at my Instagram, and it would tell me um, uh, what my uh, uh, post engagement was like. So on what days my posts are being more engaged, at what times. So what time I need to post, what time people are looking at those posts – and, um, and so I was posting based off of that and I was able to grow my account. I mean, it's, I'm, it, I'm not at 12, uh, what are you at? 12, one. I'm, I mean, I'm at like just under 6,000, but I went from having like two or 300 to, you know, four or 5,000 in a matter of six months just by doing that. And like you said, post quality goes down immensely because I, I was doing that. I found myself like, well, what can I post? Okay, well, I'm in the army. I, I can post things in uniform. I can post me doing drill sergeant things. Those get a fuck ton of likes. Okay, well, I can do that. Well, do I really want to put my service up to that much? You know, because I like to keep that a little bit, you know, I like to talk about it, but I don't want it to be the, the theme. What if I want to segue into something else? Well, now I got to change, the, you know, because all of my followers like my content for what my content is and not what I want it to be. So now I got to like redo the whole thing. Um, and it just kind of, it really does be kind of come a thing and your post quality come down. And then what I've noticed is you'll see staged posts. Like, well, I don't have anything to post today. I need to stage something. You know what I'm saying? That's and, crazy. That's wild to me right there. People who just make up shit to have yeah. shit. Yeah. I mean that, yeah. I mean like influencer homes and all that stuff. Like that's a, that's a, a real thing. And, 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 and it's, it's just, it's staging photos. Um, it's a, it's modeling for an Instagram post for likes to continue the, the brand or the, the, the promote themselves or whatever it may be. But, and I think, and again, that goes back to one of the problems with social media is that like, it's, it's not an accurate depiction of a person's reality. I mean, it's literally a millisecond in time, you know, so it might be a, a real candid photo, but like what happened before that, what happened after that? I don't know. So it's a, it's a weird place. It's it's definitely a weird place to be for sure. I think they it's very easy to abuse. Like there's a lot of good stuff because like man, I there's buddies. So I'm like, oh man, like Jimmy got married. I'm so glad for him, and you know, glad he's doing happy. Or I've had buddies that you know uh, they were posting weird shit, and I was just like, hey man, like reach out. Like you okay? Like you need to talk about something or like. Or people that post used to post a shit ton becomes mm-hmm. less, becomes less. And I'm like, hey man, you're like that guy who's like always doing stuff. Like, you're you're all right, and they weren't. And I was able to tell that because of you know I do follow them and stuff like that. Same with thing with video games. I mean, how many guys that you know you serve with that are to the four wins now? And it's like, no nah, man, let's let's jump on Call of Duty or let's jump on. Madden or let's jump on FIFA, whatever, and like we'll play. Or I, I got guys from the, the industry guys that are in LA that I, I play with, and you know it's nice to be able to connect with people. But there's also that side of like I I actually do get up and do other things and go do jujitsu and go to the gym and take a shower. And there's some people just like, no, this is my thing. I'm not even going to eat because this is my fucking thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, if you let it consume you, for sure, man. Um, but yeah, I mean that's an important thing is. Uh, get out there and go do other things. What uh, what belt are you? Purple belt. I am neither. I'm not any of that stuff, man. I try. I, I did jujitsu a couple years ago. Hurt my uh, my back. I have a existing 
like back issue and then was off for a year and then went back and then fucked up my neck. <laughs> but I never, I never even got my first stripe and wipe up, but I fucking love jujitsu. I really do like that. I, I did it. So uh, the army combatives is based off of jujitsu and, and various other martial arts. And then doing it for those, those, that little bit, uh, I think a total of like six months, such a good time. Like it's such a good time. It's such a great sport. And it's effective outside of the sport and the, 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 the team, the camaraderie, the, it's just, it's such a good time, man. Like bullshit. So I, how long you been doing it? it? Uh, since like 2019. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty, well, is that, is that quick for purple belt? I mean, you're doing it, you're doing it a lot, like three days a week, something like that. Yeah, three days a week, sometimes yeah. more. Um, just whenever I can get it. Like, I try to, like, front load a lot of this stuff. So, like, if there's days when, like, oh, man, I'm filming for, like, you know, a week or sometimes, like, there was one week where I was, or one month I was gone for, like, three weeks and, like, couldn't get anything in. It's like, oh, man, like, I'm glad I, you know, did those as many classes as I could back in the day and just try not to miss any classes because there's going to be days when I'm like, God damn I really, I really missed the thing that I wanted to do, and that day that I said, "Oh man, I'm just gonna," I, there'll always be more, and I, I fucking wish I could have done it right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did that shit for three months with the LAPD while I was there, and my knees didn't stop hurting for six weeks until after. <laughs> six weeks. I'm like, hey, am I just old? These young people just tossing my ass around. I'm fucking crack ribs and fucking bloody nose, but it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I've had, I can't be doing it though, man. I'm too old. Be down. I don't know, man. I see, I see people, and that is one thing that I do like about, because like, I, I follow some, uh, I follow a, a hashtag for BJJ, and I think, I think I follow the flying armbar hashtag because that shit is so like when you when you get somebody who can pull that shit off. Oh man, it's so good. But you'll see some people that don't get into jujitsu until you know fifties and sixties and. You know, it's just go at your pace, man. That's 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 a part of it. Like, you don't have to go out there and go ham. You don't have to like when you're sparring, just like go hardcore at each other. And that's one thing I liked about Gracie Jiu Jitsu is that like you don't spar until you get to I think blue belt. Like you train the basics, you train technique, and then you know so that's four stripe white belt, and then you once you get your blue belt, then you can start sparring or you can take a certain class for that. Um, the one I was going here in in, in town is GFT Grapple Fight Team. And so their whole goal is competition. And um, so my first day showing up to class, man, I mean, keep in mind, I'm, I'm 6'2 at the time, 220, 225. And I go through the, you know, we, we have techniques. And they show us a, a portion of the technique. We go back and practice it and so on. And at the end of class, we spar. And I'm like, there's like blue belts in there and brown belts in there. And like, I'm a big dude. You know what I'm saying? I'm bigger now. And they're like, hey, man. Do you uh do you wanna do you wanna, do you wanna roll? I'm like sure, let's do it. You know, and they like, oh, did you you did this in the army? You got you got some training, you're fine. And these dudes are pulling all kinds of shit on me, man. Like shit, I ain't never even seen before. I'm like, that's fucked up, dude. I have one guy like wrist locks left and right, and I'm like, guy, like I'm trying to practice the techniques that I just fucking learned, man. <laughs> like get the fuck out of here, because I'm big. You got to like really I crank hate, on them. Like that that part I didn't like, but like you know, the rest of it pretty rad. Right on, yeah, it's the, like the humbling man. Like, I, I mean, I think everyone has that. So, like, like what you said, like the being able to like 
like depending if you the, what school you go to sparring you know up only when you're blue belt or and there's different schools that have different methodologies or like when you join like a fight team but for me like i love jujitsu so and i don't want anybody to like not do jujitsu because i was just like beating the brakes off them when i didn't have to in like training like there's no there's no you know trophies for winning this this match so if some older person comes in or someone who's a hobbyist or you know some like small woman like my wife is like 130 pounds and she rolls big dudes but like she doesn't if she's hurt that day she she can just be like no i don't want to do that day and i think that's completely fine it's, it's not about you know just whooping the shit out of each other the whole time it's about learning jiu-jitsu and i think when you do slow it down you actually like learn more so like yeah like i think depending on the school you look for if that's something that i honestly if we, either one of you got back into like again this like coming back in slower and only maybe even only rolling with some certain people we, we got a couple people at our gym that like um we got an older guy he only rolls with really honestly really people probably under 175 and it's just because he's a fucking an old guy that doesn't mean jujitsu is bad is that he just has a has a job that if he gets hurt here he can't go do his other job as much as yeah. he loves jujitsu it's like mm-hmm. you hurt your back and you can't go to work that also sucks self-preservation well, so that, that was part of it for me man it's, it was like i was rolling with these dudes and like and i don't know 90 percent of what the what these guys know i just have strength right and these guys wanted to roll with me because they're going to go to a competition where they might roll with somebody if they can beat somebody you know who has 50 pounds on them they stand a pretty good chance against somebody who's equally, you know, match and weight and, 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 and belt and talent. And, and, uh, here I am like fighting for my fucking life. You know what I'm saying? Well, these guys are like trying to like twist my fucking head off. And now I've got a, a neck injury. Fucking great. You know, now I got to take a step back from jujitsu and let that recover. And you know how it is, man. Sometimes when you step away from something, you know, you know, it's harder to get back into it. I will yeah. say though, man, one of the uh, one of the instructors, um, all the instructors up there uh, are all from Brazil, and one of them, uh, he and his wife were. Uh, he was a, a black belt. She was a brown belt. She was about the same size as your wife, about 130 pounds, probably five five, five four. Man, again, I'm six two two twenty, and holy shit, dude, she was a struggle for me, man. Like when you when you stick to the ground, man, like. Dude, like I all I all, all I could do was just like hold her arm. I had one arm pinned and one arm kind of held back, and I was just like for the full two minutes, like I could not do anything to this woman. Like she was wearing me out, and uh, and that's the name of the game. It's it's I don't know, man. It is such a it is such a fun sport and it's such a, a fun martial art to practice. Um, I really I really do want to get back into it. Mm, I should do that. I'm You're gonna right, check Billy. it out one time. That. Make sure yeah, I can... gotta, we talked about earlier. You gotta you gotta show these young guys up, man. Exactly. <laughs> you gotta, <laughs> yeah. you gotta show, like we're not even that old. Like, what are you? Uh about forty? I'll be forty one next month. Harry, what about saying? Forty next month. Oh, I'm sorry, forty in October. Okay. Yeah, see? That's that's not even that old, man. Gotta, I know it's show, not. Like, it's just I'm show. I'm broke down from army and the police, man. Well, that's fucking know <laughs> it's seventeen years army and then thirteen years police, my fucking Knees don't work. I can't be. I can't be out there. My whole shit's fucked up. But I'm not gonna sit do, here. Uh, do and, jujitsu in the water. Okay. <laughs> water jujitsu. All right, that'll work. So hey, hey, it could be. It could be a thing, man. Could be. I can. I can make it. Make it a thing. So 
we got to ch- shut this one down. It's been a lot of fun. Go ahead and give me all of your social media stuff, <laughs> even though we just went off about it for about an hour. Give me your social media information so people will know where to find you. Uh, so Instagram uh, is probably one of the best places to find me. And that's Billy underscore Dunstan, 275. Um, also, you look me up on IMDb, my website, all of your everything is uh, Billy Dunstan. So pretty much if you look up Billy Dunstan, you're going to find me. Uh, weird enough, it's not a very common last name. If you see someone that's named Dunstan, there's a good chance they're probably related to me. Oh, wow. It's the same with Johnson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, not even at all. <laughs> all right. So on that note, Here's that good 80s music. We're cruising back from that boat. That good, uh, the drug bust was a go. We're all good. And uh, this is the end of this episode of Before I Forget. Please like, listen, share, subscribe, watch. Kevin, you got anything? Uh, No, Billy, man, thanks for coming on and chatting with us about a wide range of stuff, dude. And uh, yeah, I think you're right, man. I think you need to get back into Jiu-Jitsu. Do it. Tomorrow, actually. Well, I got to see my chiropractor first, but yeah. Good luck. Thank you guys for listening to Before I Forget. Y'all have a good one. Have a good one.